So we just celebrated the feast of St. Ignatius Loyola um, yesterday or the day before. I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday. Anyway, one of the things that St. Ignatius was very uh, big in pushing on his followers and, and anyone who wanted to listen was the idea of a, a Lexio Divina, of going into Scripture and uh, meditating and putting yourself into the stories and finding new truths and treasures uh, based on these meditations that you would do. And so when, when I take the gospel today and I place myself in the story, it's very easy for me to understand, I think, what the disciples were thinking. Because they, they're with Jesus all day, they're working, and then he looks at them and says, in the later portion of the day, towards evening, go feed all these people. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a boss that has given you unrealistic expectations and said, I'm not giving you the manpower, the supplies, or the wherewithal to do this job, but get it done. That's how the disciples feel today. So it's not that hard for me to understand what they might be thinking. And we see that Jesus has already been doing miracles, right? He's, he's been curing the sick and healing them all day long. Okay, not really a lot for the disciples to do probably, but I'm sure they were doing crowd control, maybe praying over some people, prepping them before they got to Jesus. I don't know. I'm trying to make up stuff to say that the disciples were working too. I have no idea what they were doing while Jesus is curing all these people. But at some point, they got hungry. They got hungry and they're like, okay, Jesus, it's time to call it a day. We've put a good 16 hours in healing people. Like, we're hungry. We want to eat. And we don't hear anything else that, oh, they ate breakfast first and then they went out to work or they stopped for a nice, nice lunch midway through the day. No, all we hear about is these five loaves and two fish. Now, I have a, a theory that I'd like to share with you. If you like it, great. If not, you complain to Monsignor. But I think that, that it is very clear based on the nutritional uh, uh, information we have here that none of the disciples were overweight at all, nor was Jesus, because we have five loaves and, and two fish for 13 people. If that's all the disciples had, you split that 13 ways. Let me give you some numbers that I did this week because I got bored. <laughs> if we look at the type of fish that they had, okay, generally speaking, the Google says that it was probably tilapia, very common in that time. Tilapia has about six ounces per fillet. There are two fillets per fish, so two fishes, two fillets each. That's about 24 ounces worth of fish. Split 16 ways, that's about 67 calories each person. Again, 12 disciples, one Jesus, 13 people, okay. Then, the Google also told me that barley, unleavened barley loaf, is the most probable type of loaf that they had there. And based on current unleavened barley loaf that you can go buy in the store, I figured out that roughly five loaves broken down is about uh, three slices, based again on today's uh, barley loaf, three slices per disciple, which is about 240 calories per person, if you have five loaves. So that 240 plus 67 gives you roughly 350 calories per day. I don't know if you're aware, but the average human adult needs about 2,000 to survive. A diet less than 500 calories a day is very bad for your health. Also, I think that at the beginning of ministry, Jesus handed each one of his disciples a Fitbit and said, okay, guys, track your steps because we're walking all over Galilee. I want you to know 10,000 each day. If you do 10,000 steps a day, that's roughly negative 500 calories. So already we are at a deficit of roughly 200-ish calories from just eating what you intake and what you output. 
the eating, 350 minus uh, 500, not great. And again, if you take that and add it to the daily caloric intake, the disciples are at about negative 2,100 calories a day. No wonder you never see a fat Jesus on the cross. I mean, they were moving, all right? So based on that alone, the disciples are hungry. They know they don't have a lot of food. And then Jesus looks at them and says, do you see all of these people who we've only counted the men for? 5,000 of them. Go feed them with what you have. What? Is Jesus a crazy person? Like, how does he expect us to feed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish? Now, here's where I took the Lexio, because I imagine one of the disciples was like, okay, okay, cool, cool. I can figure this out. Jesus is giving me a problem. I can solve it. I can do this. All right, uh, let, me, let me think. 5,000 people, not great. That's, that's probably a lot less than what I was going to get if it was only 13 of us. Uh, maybe Jesus knows something that I don't. Let me, uh, maybe there's like a bread cart behind me. Okay, don't be obvious. Don't be obvious. Just maybe stretch and look. Nope, no bread cart behind me. Okay, what is Jesus doing? Why is he making such a ridiculous request for me? At this point, I think as a disciple, not only am I hungry, but I'm starting to get annoyed because I don't know what he wants and it's an unrealistic expectation my boss has placed on me. I'm getting hangry right now. So, why does Jesus do this? Because he wants to show them that no, they are not capable of doing this. What you can do on your own as disciples is limited. I've asked you to do something that is impossible for you. Why did I ask you to do that? Because it is not impossible for me. I am not constrained by the way you are. I can take simple elements like bread and do miracles with them. Do you want to see? Okay, great. Have the people sit down. So we have 5,000 men, okay? And we're going to assume that at least half of those guys were married. And we're going to assume that of those half of marriages, there are probably one child per family of about fish and uh, bread eating age, so like older than a baby baby. So that's about 8,700 people that the Lord is going to feed. And again, he puts that on the disciples and they say, this is impossible. And Jesus says, exactly, now you see where I'm going with this. Let me show you what is possible for me. So he shows his power as the son of God over elements like bread. And he does this for a very specific reason, to set it up that later when he says, this is my body given up for you, they will not doubt, but they will say, okay, I know what he's doing here. He did that before with the feeding of the 5,000. He made bread do what he wanted. Now when he tells me, this is my body, I believe him. It's very um, interesting to me that Mass has been open again, again in a limited capacity, but Mass has been open for a while, and right now there's not 8,000 people here. It kind of indicates what we think about the Eucharist. Is it essential for my life? No. That's how we must feel about it, because why is the door of the church not being beaten down with people wanting to get in under the people cap? Why is it that we have not a problem with too many people here? Because we believe a lot of times that it's just bread. It's just a symbol. It's a thing the disciples made up to say, you know what would be fun to do on a Sunday when we want to remember Jesus? Let's pass around a loaf of bread, because he did that miracle one time. It's very interesting to me that we don't have more people here, more people clamoring for that bread of life, that only thing that sustains. The first reading tells us, why spend your money for things that do not satisfy you? 
We have plenty of other needs and resources in life that we want filled. Why is it that the most important thing ever in the world is the most neglected thing? So, this week, two parts. Two parts for you to take home and work with. The first is that I want you to examine what you believe about the Eucharist. Clearly, clearly you're already ahead of, a step ahead of the game because you are here. So I commend you for that. But the second part is this. If what we believe about the Eucharist is as strong as we think we believe it, if we actually believe that the bread we receive is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, our Lord, given to us for our salvation, why aren't we inviting other people? Why is it? that there's so many empty spaces here. Yeah, I get it. There's a people cap. We can't go over 50% of the church. We're not at 50% right now, in case you were wondering. So I want you to please invite people back to church. Start with the easy gets, those people that you know should be here anyway. And if they say things like, oh, I'm scared, okay, that's fine but at least challenge them to go outside of their comfort zone. Challenge them to come back to the Eucharist. Challenge them to live not in fear, but to live in trust that the Lord is going to take care of them, no matter what. It is the best miracle that could have ever been performed for the disciples to see Jesus take simple elements and do a miracle with them like bread. And it's easy for us to say, well, I wasn't there, so I don't have to believe with the same uh, gusto that the disciples believed. But unless this is your very, very, very first Mass, you have seen a greater miracle in front of you on that altar. The changing of bread to body. You have seen that miracle every time you've attended Mass. So my brothers and sisters, do not waste this. Do not let this go by. Do not just think of it as another thing, a symbol, a, a nice tradition that we do. But really, think of it as what it is the body of Christ given up for you. And then once we affirm that belief, we affirm that that is truly what we think of it, what we know to be true, then it's our job to also invite our brothers and sisters back to that table.